mostly free videos. I update them every week. You can get a membership there. You can become a subscriber here. You can make a donation in either place. Or you can just check out the free stuff. All of the above are very much appreciated. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so you kind of get an idea what we do here just by the writing here is um, show you a different side of me. Obviously, if you want to see the naked side, you can see that on my website. Um, but if you want to see the spiritual side of me, which I think actually dwells in all of us, whether we accept it, acknowledge it, embrace it, or deny it, it's still there. Um, that's so we go over. That's what we approach here side of all of us and particularly it's for people who are going to call themselves Christians we are going over chapter by chapter and verse by verse the actual words of Jesus Christ and what he had to say um, um, about many different subjects and you'll be surprised in many cases what he had to say because it doesn't actually align with what a lot of your churches and families and your own thoughts may be so we're going to pick up where we left off uh, in the book of John, before we get to John chapter 8, let's review what happened in John chapter 7. Um, among other things, speaking of family, Jesus showed us an example of how it is that even the people who call themselves his family didn't necessarily believe in him. Um, they came to him with their doubts in chapter 7, and he let them know that the world is just not a place that's going to accept him. It's just not meant uh, to be but that they're fine because um, they're 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 not doing what he was doing what he was doing was calling out the evil that's in the world and that's pretty much what his message was letting people know what's truly good and what's actually evil so that um, people would know for sure without having to doubt guess or even ask anyone but again the red letters is what we focus on because if you're gonna go by the whole Bible you're gonna run into contradictions and confusion and just like some people say, oh, God's not an author of confusion, they show that's biblically illiterate. Since if you go back to very, the very beginning in Genesis, if you're going to call that God, God says there, let us go down and confuse the languages. And that's what happened at the Tower of Babel and how that whole situation went down. And so that you know that it's not all fairy tales, there actually is a Tower of Babel remains found today in the Middle East. I think it's in Iraq. If you um you can search it, you'll see. So um, there's historical basis for many of these different things. But again, the point being there that people will say anything like uh, God's not the author of confusion, but the Bible itself will contradict that. So um, again, focus on what Jesus had to say if you're going to call yourself a Christian. That was why he came here and that was his whole mission. And it's seem insulting to ignore what he had to say and embrace what someone else has to say and who didn't die for you if you're a Christian and believe that um, and embrace what they had to say rejecting what he has to say. And he actually warns us about that too in the Bible. But So we're going to pick up at John chapter 8 um, verse 1 and let's see. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought him a woman caught in adultery and when they, set, when they had set her in the midst they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said testing him. Okay, so just to pick up where we're at. 
the religious folks have gotten uh, really high and mighty, holier than thou, and they've grabbed a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. So that adultery in general is described as a married woman who's having uh, extramarital affairs with someone else, basically fooling around with someone else who's not her husband. And notice that um, the man isn't brought here. That is a testament to how the um, Bible itself is very patriarchal. It gives you the focus on um, highlighting the man's rightness and the woman's wrongness. And, and this is a situation of it, but it goes back to the Old Testament very prevalent in the Old Testament, but also in the New. But it's showing you here that the religious folks have grabbed the woman, accused her of adultery, and saying that according to their law in the Old Testament, they don't call it the Old Testament because the old, the Bible hadn't been compiled by at this point. But by their belief system, their church, as we would call it, their synagogue, their temple, that's how um, that that's how she should be handled since she was caught committing adultery. So they're asking Jesus, but what do you say about it? Saying, okay, so what's your Christian take on this Old Testament uh, doctrine, basically, is what they're confronting Jesus with. And they're even quoting Moses, if you don't know, that's who brought the Ten Commandments to the Israelites when they were delivered from slavery in Africa. Um, if you've ever seen the Disney movie, um, Prince of Egypt, you can see that's what pointing back to, excuse me. And notice there it says they're testing him because they want to see if he's going to contradict their Old Testament teaching, which is the same predicament many Christians run into now when you try and face different issues of life. Then you're going to be confronted with people who believe the Old Testament eye for an eye is what is the way to go. And then they're going to, you're going to run into people who in the New Testament say, no, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. And both are in the Bible. So if you're a Christian, you have to choose. Do you're going to go by the old or by the new? And if you're a Christian, you should go by what Christ has to say. So Christ gives us an answer to this whole situation. When they say, but what do you say? Um, so they may have something with which to accuse him. But Jesus, Jesus stooped down on, and wrote on the ground with, with his finger as though he did not hear. So this lets us know that what Jesus wrote on the ground had nothing to do with what they were saying because if it did it would have said in response to what they were saying but it said he it said he wrote on the ground as if he didn't even hear what they were saying so this lets us know that um that jesus is paying them no attention sort of the same way you have to do people when they confront you with their own uh dogma that they don't feel you're living up to and even what you might even have to say to yourself sometimes when you are telling yourself and questioning yourself on your um, spiritual journey and where you're at. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. So Jesus is saying here, uh, whichever one of you is completely guilt-free and has not offended God in some way, because that's what sin is, is it's offending God. Um, he's saying, whichever one of you is innocent of that, you throw the first stone at her. Um, and you can um, see how they react to that. Um, let's see. Ah. And again, he, he stooped down and rolled on the ground. So he went right back to what it is he was doing after he let them know what he had to say. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, 
went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. So this sort of lets us know the oldest left first because in this case age came with wisdom. The older people were smart enough to realize, you know, he's right. I have no room to judge is basically what what entered their hearts when Jesus con when they were convicted with having a Jesus is telling them basically start with the man in the mirror just like Michael Jackson said that's where you begin if you're gonna start judging anyone if you're gonna throw a stone at someone and say what you've done is wrong start with yourself because you that's whose actions you know best you don't know what the other what's in the other person's heart that led them to the situation that you're feel worthy enough to pass judgment on them for but you do know the things you've done wrong so that's where you should start before you throw a stone at someone else begin with judging yourself and getting yourself and then you can um throw a stone at someone else is what jesus is saying and beginning with the old first they realized quickly they were wrong and then one by one the rest left them left her alone as well so this lets you know Jesus was a defender of someone who was bullied even by the church. Um, so consider how that aligns with people who call themselves Christians now and will actually go out and bully people and even bear arms and confront people during funerals when they're trying to bury their dead and their loved ones and confront them over same-sex marriage and all of that. And does that sound like what Jesus would do? It's clearly not what Jesus would do. Even if they felt they were right, that's not what Jesus does when he sees someone suffering. He doesn't pile on. That's not what he, he does at all. Um, Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? So Jesus has um, gone to the woman. He's like, where's the crowd that said you were wrong? Where are they at? And then he he's asking her questions i guess just to comfort her knowing that she'd been bullied through this whole situation and made to stand there and mirror sin in front of everyone this actually reminds me of my daddy he's 80 years old he was telling me when he was um younger that uh someone in our family one of my dearest aunts she actually came up uh she was unmarried and had and was pregnant and that sort of thing was looked down upon so badly back when he was a kid. He said that um, she would have to, when she goes to church, walk down the center of the aisle and confess her sin to the whole church. That she'd done that, like out loud, for them all to know what her sin is. And it just seemed so unfair that her sin, which is becomes obvious over time, over the nine months, it'll be obvious, especially if there's no ring on your finger, it just seems so shady that people who call themselves holy and religious would do that to someone, making them um, their sin obvious where other people, if you're going to consider it sin, it, uh, making her sin obvious to the whole church and highlighting that rather than uh, the grace part. It just seems like churches lose that grace part all the time and don't mind. <laughs> they don't seem to even miss it. Um, so let's see. So Jesus goes to her and comforts her and it's like, where are the people who accused her? There's no one there. She said, no one, Lord. Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So he's letting her letting her know he's not there to condemn her. Um, but he's telling her also, don't 
continue in the sin. So he rescued her from the situation she's in. And that, I think, speaks to, I mean, I can remember when I was doing the wrong thing all too regularly, how I would think, um, be glad that, oh, I, and sometimes just barely make it through some of the things I'd done. And um, I think that's grace being shown, giving you time to get on the right path. Um, not that you're going to get away with those things because they still crop up like we um, but keeping you from falling directly completely into destruction um, but he's letting her know he's, he saved her there but don't continue in the sin then Jesus spoke to them again saying I'm the light of the world he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life excuse me Jesus is letting us know here that that was his role, that was his purpose to bring light um, where there's darkness, so that to end the confusion, so that people don't feel they have they're entitled to go around and be act self righteously when it comes to other people and pass judgments. The Pharisees therefore said to him, "You bear witness of yourself; your witness is not true." So they're saying you tooting your own horn, and you can't possibly be true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not where I know where I came where I come from. But you do not know where I come from and where I'm going. So Jesus is saying, even if he is bearing witness of himself, even if he is the one tooting his own horn, which he's not doing, he's like he's saying he has the right to do it because he knows who he is. He's like, but they don't know. They don't realize who he is. They don't recognize his authority, even though they see the miracles. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. So Jesus here is letting us know that what they're doing is going around passing judgments on people. And he's saying that's not what he's doing, um, which is something he tells us not to do. And yet, if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I'm not alone, but I'm with the Father who sent me. So he's saying he's not going around passing judgment on people. But even if he did judge, he'd be right to do it because he's one with God. So it is. It's 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 a it's a deep under it's a deep thought to try and understand. To um, but when you consider uh, that God and Jesus are one, yet they're separate, it's not that difficult to understand. Where when you consider it. That there are people who are in the, again, I've said this before in astrophysics and stuff, who believe in the multiplicity of existences, that you can be in two different places throughout the universe at the same time, even branching out depending on what it is you even see and recognize and how you affect it and how it affects you and that sort of thing. You can look it up yourself. Um, and it takes faith to believe that, just like it takes faith to believe this. But they may not be as separate as you think but what jesus is saying here is that um he's god and jesus are one in the sense i believe he's saying when he tells like thy thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven the words there are saying that god's will is done in heaven but that it has to be prayed to be prayed for to be accomplished here on earth so similarly i think jesus is saying he's existing in heaven but he's also existing here on earth even walking among us at this point where he's giving them this teaching and um he's saying he's not alone god's with him so if he were to start judging people 
he wouldn't be wrong to judge. Uh, yeah, and yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I'm not alone, but I'm with the Father who sent me. So that also lets us know that he didn't just come on his own. This isn't some sort of mission he took out on his own, where um, um, where it, I'm, there's it's something that he was sent to do. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. So again, this is one of the instances where Jesus, when he's confronted by the religious people, does just like how the devil did him in the wilderness. And that's bringing up scripture that they supposedly are experts in and are living by and preaching as the truth. So what he's doing here is letting them know it's written in your law. If two people say something is true, that that makes it a fact. And you can look that up in the Old Testament that uh, let every word be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Um, he's saying here, I'm one who bears witness of myself and the father who sent me bears witness of me. So he's saying there's your two witnesses right there. He himself and God who's with him um, is witness number two. Then they said, then where's your father? <laughs> so you could see they're sassy. Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. So they're like, where's your daddy at? They're like, they know that his father, the one who raised him, Joseph, um, they know he's not around anymore at this point because, you know, he doesn't get mentioned much more after Jesus' childhood. So they're like, well, where's your father at? Where, who are you talking about? Where's the second witness? So Jesus answered and let them know that you don't know me, meaning Jesus. They don't recognize his divinity and the mission he's on. And he's saying they definitely don't know his father, even though they claim to be the experts in it and the ones who exclusively have rights to exercise and teach it. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple and no one laid hands on him for his hour had not yet come. So they let us know they had it in for him but they didn't lay a hand on him yet because it wasn't time for that. And I think that also is part of why there would be times when Jesus will perform certain miracles and do certain things that he'd tell them no don't go make it known yet because it's not. it wasn't time for that yet it wasn't meant to be. But that lets you know, Jesus' walk wasn't an easy one. He came across adversaries pretty routinely. Maybe again, another lesson for us. Then Jesus said to them again, I'm going away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So he's letting them know it's a very grave situation. Then he's letting them know that, yeah, he knows what his future holds he knows he's going to be crucified and he knows he's going to be gone but he's letting them know that uh death awaits them too and he's letting them know and when they die they're not going to go to the same place where he's going because uh, again he knows that he's going to be crucified even if they don't recognize that yet and he knows that after that there's another place that there that people go and where he's going they won't be there so the Jews say, will he kill himself because he says, where I go, you cannot come? So again, you have more sass. They're taking what he says and thinking of it in a sense, well, he must be killing himself and going to hell. Because um, if they're talking about, they're saying, well, since they won't be in the same place where he's going to be. Um, although some of the religious people here did not actually believe there was an afterlife at all, heaven or hell. Um, or a resurrection in either um, in any case that you just die and that's it as many people believe now and he said to them you're from beneath I'm from above you're of this world I'm not of this world 
Uh, so Jesus is saying there's a distinction, there's a difference between he and them. And he's saying they're of the world, that's what they're focusing on, that's what they're thinking about, that's the life they're thinking about, not a hereafter one, not one that continues after this. And Jesus is letting them know he's from the one that continues beyond this world, and um, that they're not. Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So the sin it seems that they're doing is not recognizing the fact that he's the fulfillment of the very um, prophecies that they proclaim to be professors of. Excuse me. And he's letting them know that because they're unwilling to change, they're gonna it's gonna lead to their own death, and they just won't accept it. Um, and he's saying that all it takes is belief, and they witness the miracles, but they refuse to accept. Um, the source of the miracle it's crazy then they said to him it'd be like winning a lottery ticket but then not accepting the money <laughs> I mean it makes no sense then they said to him who are you and Jesus said to them just what I've been saying to you from the beginning so now they're like they just don't get him they don't understand who he is what he's talking about where he's from and when he says he's from above and they're from beneath they're like they just don't understand it because again, some of them know his family and even his brothers and family and his mother are still walking around with him in many cases. So they know him from when he was a kid. So you can understand why they'd be confused at where all these things are coming from when they've seen him grow up right there. And so Jesus says he's, his story hasn't changed. It's the same as it was what he said from the beginning. And he says, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. So again, this is why if you're going to call yourself a Christian, you really should focus on what Jesus has to say, because that's his whole mission. He's come to bring us the words that God would have us know as far as our soul salvation and the spirit and life uh, everlasting. He's letting us know that's his whole mission, and the things that he's saying are the things God has for him to say to us. So... If you have to, ignore what other sources will tell you when it comes to your spiritual growth and faith until you focus on what Jesus has to say about things because it's very, very different. And, and it's the truth. Whereas other things, other people will teach you, they may or may not be true. Um, so Jesus is saying that was his mission. Then they did not understand and he spoke to them of the Father. So even though he said it very plainly, they still aren't getting it. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do, not and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. So when he's saying lifting him up, he knows, I think he's saying his crucifixion, and he's saying when that happens, then they'll recognize the fact that he is the fulfillment of what was said to come in the Old Testament in Isaiah, for instance, uh, about a Messiah coming, a Christ coming, a suffering, and his suffering also. And he's letting them know it won't be until that moment when he's lifted up on the cross that they'll believe. Um, let's see. 
um, that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. So Jesus is letting him know it's the mission he's on is the one God sent him on. And the words he's speaking are ex exclusively the words that God would have us know and have us hear. And he's saying he could pass judgment on them one by one and the things they're doing. And he knows the sins they've committed and are guilty of. He's like, he, he's trying to let them know, I could do that. I could call you out on the evil you're guilty of. But he's letting them know that that's not what his mission is. He's there to tell them what God has them would have them to know and to hear. So he's saying that that's what his mission is and that's why he's not gonna do that to them because it would humiliate them for one thing, but also letting them know that that's not what his purpose is. He's um, come to bring the message that God would have us hear. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So he's saying that's how you're his disciple. If you abide in his word, that means his words. That mean, doesn't mean the Bible. That doesn't even mean the New Testament. That means his words. And I've said it before, his words, Christ's words, are only in six books of the whole Bible. So if you're lazy about reading, and I'm a person who's lazy about reading, I admit it, and you want to still try and approach God and still try and get an understanding of God and Christianity, then I would suggest start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for your basis of Christianity and your approach to um, Christ and God and from there maybe branch out into the passages that are reflect back to the Old Testament and get an understanding there so you can get a context of what it all means and how to understand it if you're gonna be a Christian that is because it's not the only faith there are different gods mentioned throughout the Bible so it's up to you to choose um, so anyway that's just a side note if you're not a person who does much reading either um, so anyway, that's what Jesus is letting them know. Then, so um, he's letting them know that's how you um, show that you're a disciple, hearing his words and doing them, and then abiding in them. That means sort of living in his words, not just memorizing them or not just um, thumping your Bible, but not actually reading it. He's saying abiding in his word. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So he's saying there, that's the way to freedom. That's the way to spiritual freedom. Um, maybe even freedom um, from things that go on in this life is to abide in his word and he's saying it's his words that will make you free and I and agree I, I mean obviously I agree that it's the red letters of Christianity that actually simplify lots and lots of things as far as issues in life um, alright so let's see then Jesus said to those Jews, oh, we read that, sorry. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll be made free? So that's the saying, uh, the truth will set you free. That's where that comes from. So Jesus is saying, they're saying, they don't know what he's talking about. They're not slaves and never have been. So what is he talking about being made free? But obviously, I mean, they can't possibly be forgetting that. The Israelites were slaves for 400 plus years in Africa um, and they're descendants of those same Israelites so it kind of doesn't make sense that they'd say they've never been in bondage unless they mean them they themselves that generation 
But even then, they were occupied by Rome. The Roman authorities had say over what would go on with them. And it was the Romans who actually crucified Jesus. So their statement of never being in bondage doesn't quite make sense. But except for their just being um, obstinate. Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So Jesus is saying, if you sin, then you're a slave of that sin. You're not actually free. Man, my mouth keeps getting dry. Sorry. And he's saying sin is slavery. It's locking you into that, making you do it. And, but he's saying, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. So he's saying, if that, if some slave, if there's something you're enslaved to, it's sin. And he's saying, uh, if there's some sin you're committing, it's it's like slavery. And he's saying it has you bound, basically. And but he, so he's saying, and if you're bound by something else, then you're not gonna, you're not walking in that freedom um, that a son would. Um, the sun makes you free you shall be free indeed so i think the analogy he's saying is if you're walking in the sins of say like the old testament that convict you of the different sins and there are a laundry list of them from the things you eat to the things you do to even touching someone like for instance a woman who's on her period that's sin that's a that's an abomination eating shrimp that's an abomination eating pork that's an abomination uh, there are all kinds of abominations. Listen, wearing mixed clothing, it's an abomination. I don't mean gender bending. I mean wearing clothing of mixed fabrics. That's actually uh, committed. It's written as a sin too, if you're going to go by the Old Testament. So um, he's letting you know, if you're going to break those sins, if you're going to be locked in that sin, then you're a slave to that and you're not actually free. And it's his words, the fact that you're not going to be bound by all of that, that will set you free. So he says, I know that you have you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. So he's recognizing that, yeah, they're Jews, they're Hebrews. He knows they're Abraham's descendants. But don't forget, so are the people who are Muslims. They're also Muslim, They're also descendants of Abraham also. And actually, that reminds me of even in Revelation, when it talks about the 24 elders. Don't forget, Abraham also had 12 uh, Arabian type uh heirs also so they are mentioned also in the revelation um there there's 24 elders that could be them because they also are seeds of abraham and they're actually brothers right there in the same area and um so just something to consider and actually there's another allusion to the muslims in the bible the only other one i could think of right off hand was that um there it's in the old testament now a new moon shall devour them and their heritage i think that's like hosea 5 verse 12 or somewhere right about there um is another illusion you know the muslim faith basically is symbolized by that crescent new moon and um i think that's pointing to the fact that uh, their holy land is gonna be the way it is now um and you know it's just another thing that points out something that's happened in real life um that ha is prophesied in the bible so jesus is saying i know that that's who you are i speak what i've seen with my father and you do what you've seen with your father so now jesus also is hebrew he's israelite he's a jew so he also is a descendant of abraham so when he says um their father he's differentiating he's letting us know that there's some other 
parent there that they're learning from that's not the same one that's actually God. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. So he's letting them know that, because he just said, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but they seek to kill him. So he's letting them know he knows there are uh, a, they're of his children. It's their family, their kinfolks. If you look back, we all are at some point. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. So he's letting them know that if they're going to say they're Abraham's children, which they are by blood, he's saying then shouldn't their actions also be actions like Abraham's? Like faithfulness is what Abraham, if you're going to believe the Old Testament, is something that Abraham was considered to be because he offered to up offered up his child and a, a sacrifice to God and it was looked on as a good thing. But then later on, if in, in the Old Testament, uh, the per someone who is called God says it never entered his heart to ask for such things. So either there's two different gods there that are being um, talked about or n maybe neither one is a god, maybe both are gods. That's why go by what Christ has to say if you're going to be a Christian. Because uh, he's saying here it's a different father that who's actually God. And he's saying that's who he's telling them about. And that's where his words come come from. Whereas they're going by their fathers. Like Jesus has said before, circumcision, it wasn't from Moses but from the fathers. Like he says, there it's something traditionally passed down rather than through the blood passed down. Um, he said, Abraham didn't do that. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. So he's letting them know they're not uh, illegitimate would be the polite word for it. He's letting them know that he's they're not illegitimate. And they're sort of like throwing shade at him and his birth. It seems like because they know that Mary was pregnant before she married Joseph. So um, they may be throwing shade at that. It seems obvious in that sense. So they're letting him know we're not like that. They have one father, God. So they're they're leaning on their bloodline, their heritage, their the fact that their bloodline runs to Abraham. Um, Jesus said to them, "If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but He sent me." So he's letting them know if you were truly from God, you'd love Christ. That's like a that's like a sign of it. And he's saying he didn't come of himself, he was sent. Again, so it's not like he um uh maybe volunteered to do it. God sent him to bring us the message. A fulfillment of another um prophecy in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. Um that God tells uh, Moses he would send um someone like him meaning in the flesh to bring the word excuse me why do you not understand my speech because you're not able to listen to my word so he's letting them know it's like they're hard of hearing um, but just like with the parables it's because not everyone is gonna hear it it's an invitation to everyone but not everyone's willing to hear it um, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him when he speaks a lie he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it so this verse tells them uh, tells us 
that they're doing evil things and that's because their father is the evil one basically the devil so um i don't think it means clearly it doesn't mean biologically because he already said at the very beginning of this he knows they're abraham's seed so um and another thing preachers will twist this to say that who was the first murderer and that it was cain and that's what he's trying to say he didn't say that he didn't say the first murderer said he was a murderer from the beginning there's a difference so he's saying um and besides that well he's saying here that he's they're they're following their actions that shows who they're following um not god not godly actions they're following the actions of evil and the devil and he's saying one of the things that, that um he does is the lie and he's saying that he lies and that that's what they follow and that it's meaning i think that you're going to get caught up in contradiction and lies if you're trying to go and live by and understand as your spirituality your hope anything other than what jesus has to say which of you convicts me of sin and if i tell the truth why do you not believe me so he's saying if he did something wrong then go ahead and tell everybody what it is he did wrong just like when he some similar to what he says at the crucifixion but he's saying and but if he's telling you the truth then why aren't you going to just listen and accept it he who is of god hears god's words therefore you do not hear because you're not of god so jesus breaks it down pretty plain and says they're unwilling to hear unwilling to listen because they're not of god that lets us know it is again it's his words it's the red letters it's what jesus had to say about things that is what's most important to our soul salvation and what it is um that means something to our faith um so he's letting them know but that also they won't hear because they're not able to hear because they're out of god um which of course is not going to please them then the jews answered and said to him do we not say rightly that you are a samaritan and have a demon so they're saying basically they think he's crazy or he's 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 um he's possessed by a demon and that that's how he's accomplishing his miracles through demonics and that's why he's saying the blasphemous they consider blasphemous things he's saying because he has a demon and he's a foreigner is what they're trying to say by the samaritan remark and you know now how how many americans treat foreigners you can see um what that means it's not meant as a compliment jesus answered i do not have a demon but i honor my father and you dishonor me so he's letting him know he, he understands they're just trying to read and be shady and he's saying no he doesn't have a demon so that's not how he's performing the miracles and he's saying he knows they mean to be shady by the things they're saying about him um being a samaritan a foreigner and i do not seek my own glory there's one who seeks and judges so he's letting him know that's not his mission either he's not out to go um get fame for himself you could that's backed up by his words telling different people many different times yeah he's done the miracle don't go and tell anybody or keep it to yourself or don't mention it so it's not like jesus was out trying to gain fame for himself he wasn't worried about that at all instead like he said it his mission was to bring us what god had to say to us his words so that we could end the confusion um most assuredly i say to you if anyone keeps my word he shall never see death so that certainly will make it seem like crazy to them to say that you're not even going to ever see death just by keeping his word 
But again, it's what Jesus said. So if a judgment moment comes for you um, here or hereafter, just remember, he says, you'll never see death if you believe in him. Uh, then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who's dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? So it's just more sass. They're like, who do you think you are? Abraham is dead. The prophets are dead. That'd be all like all the people in the Old Testament who you've heard preached about or you can read about. They're like, all of them people have come and gone. They're all dead. How is it you think that believing in you will get people to pass from death altogether? Is what they're asking him. They think he's crazy. Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It's my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he's your God. So that's a very uh, another practical lesson you can use in life. When you ask someone or want to know about someone, if they're bragging on themselves, that's not a good sign. It'd be a better sign if people, other people can tell you how great they are. Because when they brag on themselves, it sets the bar very, very high uh, in the person who's hearing it imagination. Um, whereas if you let other people say how, if you are good yourself and don't worry about that, then other people automatically will um, be the ones to note how good you are at whatever it is you're doing. And then that can be the word of mouth. That's like the best advertising. Even business people will tell you that. Um, so um, not going around bragging for yourself and uh, trying to gain honor for yourself. That's um, Jesus is saying here. That's not his mission is there either. Excuse me. Okay. It is my father who honors me of whom you say these your God. Of whom you say that he is your God. So he's letting him know. I know that's what you profess. But your actions aren't actually showing it. Yet you've not known him. But I know him. And if I say I do not know him. I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him. And keep his word. So Jesus is calling them out straight up. That they're liars. And he's saying they're liars. Because they claim to be godly. And just like now. People who claim to be Christian. Claim to be religious. Claim to be holy. Claim to be God-fearing. But none of their actions show any of the compassion, any of the grace, any of the mercy, any of the forgiveness, any of that, that Jesus clearly showed any of the generosity, any of the charity, any of the honesty. None of that is shown by people who claim to be religious and holy, but they think that saying they're Christian, that's going to be enough. Or they think that saying they're holy, that's going to be enough. Or they think that appearing to be holy is going to be enough. And Jesus is letting them know, you can lean on that if you want to. It's not a good idea. Um, and he's saying that um, he's not seeking honor for himself, but God is the one who actually honors him. And he's saying that I think in the actions and the different miracles and the different things he's able to accomplish, even the walking on water, that sort of thing is what accomplishes it. Um, not needing to go around and toot his own horn. And he's saying, but if he did do that and pretended that he didn't know God and that it, God wasn't the source of all his miracles, then he'd be a liar and he's saying then that would make him be like them pretending to be holy and not actually being holy at all he's saying your father abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad so now this is more deep teaching that's going to take them off he's letting them know their father so again he's letting them know that he knows that abraham is their father so when people try to tell you that they're cain cain is their father it doesn't say that 
and trying to he he's saying here that he knows that by blood yes you're abraham's descendants you're jews just like he is he's saying yes he knows that but he's saying that he also knows that the parent that they go by is not um god who's supposed to be your spiritual parent your spiritual path he's saying and this isn't this isn't a condemnation of jewish people at all this is for he's saying it's for anyone who's saying that they're holy and stuff but they're not actually following god at all and he's saying he's bringing to you the message that god would have you know and he's saying even here that abraham who is like the forefather of both religions the jews and the muslims um before them all was abraham and he's saying um that he saw god christ's day and was glad about it so in case you don't know abraham is way 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 back in the bible like genesis so um jesus is in the new testament so at least you know the amount of time that has passed since abraham was walking around and since jesus made his appearance so that can you can understand now why the community would be confused then the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? So that's why they're like, sass. They're like, that's crazy talk. You're not even 50. How is it you've seen Abraham, who was thousands of years ago? Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So Jesus there is making a statement of his timelessness. How before anything was, he existed. He is. Not he was, not he will be. But both, he was then, he is now, he it will be then. That's what he's saying in that statement of I am. And it's a very like powerful statement to let them know that, yeah, Abraham walked the earth all that long time ago, but when he was walking the earth, I already was then too. And I already am here with them now walking. And he's actually, if you're a Christian believer, he's with us even now. That's part of what you have, part of the faith. That he is timeless and that's like we read about and um in a previous reading how many people believe there's a record an akashic rest record i think it's what it's called it's already listed out um and people certain people have the ability to see at those different points in time and the bible lists them that different people have the ability to prophesy and look ahead somehow and um some people it was through dreams some people it was through vision some people it was through a voice um but there are people like that so it lets you know uh it's not evil to have that even have that ability it's not innately evil just like anything else it's a, there are conditions on that make it evil or not and it's not just by itself an evil thing at all um but anyway so jesus is letting him know he's timeless like that where he when abraham walked the earth he was also then when they're walking the earth then he's also then and some people will try and say this twist this <coughs> excuse me to be um say that melchizedek who's listed in the old testament was actually jesus he didn't say that jesus didn't say that and i think it's borderline blasphemous to try and put someone else in jesus's shoes and say that that person was jesus when it doesn't say that and that's not what jesus said and um um so anyway jesus is saying here that he's timeless and that it doesn't mean anything to him the ones who existed before and the ones who are to come then they took up stones to throw at him but jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by so here they weren't happy to hear that they um were really ticked about it and they picked up stones to throw at him again so it lets you know 
that people will preach to you that only the Romans had the authority to crucify or put someone to death. That shows you that's not true. This is not the first time when they've tried to stone Jesus to death. At one point in the reading a couple of readings ago, they were going to throw him over a cliff to kill him. So it lets you know that that's just not true. And here it is there. They're upset at what he had to say again enough. And it's just words what he say to them. But it contradicts their whole system. They're even if it's just their belief system and it's enough to make them want to kill him. So it lets you know his walk is a dangerous one. And I think it lets us know that our walk spiritually can be dangerous at times. And our danger seems to keep coming from people who think call themselves religious and holy. So anyway, that ends this reading. I hope it was a blessing for you. I appreciate you checking it out with me. And uh, God willing, you'll join me again um, for a Saturday night after midnight. Early Monday, Sunday morning, we'll pick up where we left off in Revelation. And we have our Matt and Mark Mondays where we'll pick up on those Gospels. And again, sometime next Wednesday, all God willing, we'll pick up on Jean and Luke, these Gospels. Thanks again for checking them out. Please stay safe, wash your hands, wear your mask, and uh, be good to each other. Love your neighbor. Thanks again. Peace.